Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Morning. Rescue stories. We all love them. Cast your mind back, just over 10 years, the world was gripped by the ongoing incarceration of 33 Chilean miners trapped 2,300 feet underground when the copper mine they'd been working in collapsed. Pastor Jose Enriquez was one of the 33. For 17 days, All rescue attempts failed. There was no sign of life in the copper mine. Below ground, the trapped miners had enough food for just three days and a little drinking water. Facing the prospect of an agonizing death through starvation, Pastor Enriquez tells how they prayed to God for a miracle. And on the 22nd of August, 17 days after the initial collapse, a drill broke through into the tunnel where the men were trapped. They hammered that drill with iron rods. They sprayed paint on it. They sent up many messages on it. I'm sure you can remember. And only one, though, stayed on that drill as it went back up to the surface. And the message read, we're fine. The 33 in the shelter. We watched and cheered as they were found, kept alive, and ultimately rescued. In total, the men survived 69 days underground before they were brought, one by one, to the surface. More than a billion people worldwide watched the breathtaking rescue live on television. And for Christians, there was that added thrill of this rescue being an answer to prayer. Their leader, Pastor Enriquez, who below ground had led many of those miners to Jesus, gave all the glory to God. Well, we have in today's passage one of the most famous rescue stories in the world, Daniel 6, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. This chapter is the last of the historical stories of Daniel. Daniel's almost like uh, cut into two, so we've had the story version so far. And chapter six is the last of the historical stories. And after that, we move on to Daniel's prophecies, visions, and dreams that he'd had throughout this time. And in this amazing story set at the end of Daniel's life, we will see that Daniel's choice to trust his God makes way for the whole world to hear and recognize the truth of the nature of God. Chapter 5 saw the cataclysmic event of the sudden downfall of the previous mighty empire, Babylon, along with King Belshazzar. Historians recall that overnight the Medes and the Persians entered and took the city completely unawares. Without firing a shot, the Babylonian empire falls. And in chapter 6, we see a new empire with new laws, a new king, Darius the Mede. Now, there is a dispute as to whether Darius, of whom there is no other historical record, is actually Cyrus, or a general put in place by Cyrus. But regardless, he is the new king. 
And Daniel's now an old man. He's more than 80. Taken captive from Judah as a young man, he's lived in a foreign, strange land for his whole adult life. A man of great integrity, wisdom, and insight. He has been promoted to the highest rank in the land. Daniel's success irritates his rivals who plot to use his faithfulness to God to persecute him. They convince the new king to issue a decree that anyone who worships anyone other than the king for 30 days should be cast into the lion's den. Daniel refuses to pray to or worship the king as God. And so he's thrown into the lion's den. Darius, who has been tripped up by his pride into making this decree, is beside himself with anguish at, the prefer at his preferred advisor facing such an awful death. And yet he's unable to undo his own decrees, and so he spends a sleepless night waiting for the outcome, hoping, beyond hope, that this God Daniel trusted in so much will come to the rescue. So we're going to pick up now at verses 19 to 23. So that's chapter 6. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Such a simple statement, he had trusted in his God. How easy is it to say that? It just trips off the tongue. Yet Daniel, like you and I, when facing difficult situations, had to choose to trust. The lions hadn't touched him because he had trusted in his God. Contrast that with Darius' anxiety. Facing the lion's den... Daniel trusted his God. Darius was full of fear. Don't those reactions just reflect how we ourselves feel when we're facing difficult situations? Fear or we can trust. Verse 23 highlights Daniel's trust. And before this, we saw in verse 10, it shows Daniel praying and he's giving thanks. And in verse 11, he's praying and he's asking God for help. And yet we see in verses 14, 18, 19, and 20, Darius's fear. So you can see the words. It says he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel. He made every effort until sundown. When the king returned to his palace, he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment. And he could not sleep. Such a picture of stress. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. 
And when he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. It's clear that Daniel was not fearful. He is unwavering in his faith. He is governed by a deep-seated trust, faithful to God, a man of prayer who trusts his God, choosing to obey God rather than man, even when this obedience will cost him his life. Daniel could have stopped praying for the month or he could have even prayed in secret. I'm sure there's lots of ways he could have got out of that. But he would no more compromise now as an old man than he would when he was a boy. We saw that three times daily he prayed, as was his pattern. His heart was set on faithfulness to his God. He doesn't try to explain his actions. He doesn't try to influence the situation. And he makes no pleas to any man for help. He puts his complete trust in God, and that is the way to peace. And Daniel was at peace. Because if we look back on the whole story of Daniel, we can see his years of praying have given him a glimpse of the glory of God. And he knew from previous experiences the faithfulness of God. Experiences that no one could take away from him. He knew he could trust God. He knows, like the peer, his peers before him, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that God can deliver him. But he also trusts that even if not humanly delivered, God is with him. And we too, in difficult situations, have that choice as to whether we are going to trust or whether we're going to fear. I'd been a Christian for less than five years, I'd learned from the outset of my Christian walk that we're not promised an easy ride when we become Christians, that we have battles to face. But I'd also learned, step by step, that when I trusted God, he was always with me in those difficult situations, that he would always answer my cry in some way or other. And I knew that he was with me. I was pregnant with my first child, and I wasn't excited in the least. I wasn't even sure that I liked babies. I remember during my labor, the midwife encouraging me with the words, you'll have a baby soon. And my unvoiced reaction was, so what? And Sarah was born, and they put her in my arms. And without warning, I was completely overwhelmed with love for this child. I had never felt anything like it. And those very first few days, the overwhelming feeling just continued. And five days later, we were waiting for her checkup before we left the hospital. I still remember the doctor shushing me as he listened to her heart. And that awful feeling as things swiftly moved into action when they realized that something was not right. In five days, I'd been overwhelmed with a mother's love for her child. I'd never experienced such a strong emotion. And suddenly, a serious heart condition meant that she might be taken from me. We spent the next few weeks going from appointment to appointment, and heart surgery was booked at the Brompton Hospital. She was six weeks old. My faith in God never faltered, but I was terrified that he was going to take her. I was like the king here, not sleeping, not eating, trying to sort it out. And we were at that time in Marge and Dave Harris's house group. 
And the week before the surgery, I can remember it as if it were yesterday, standing in their front room, praying for Sarah, me anxious. David said, I should put Sarah into God's hands. But I just felt I couldn't do it, because what if he chose to take her? I finally asked, how do I do that? And David said to picture myself putting this precious baby into God's hands, which with tears is just what I did. Choosing to believe that whatever happened, God was in control. And as soon as I did that, my anxiety was replaced with peace. The situation hadn't changed, but I had. The peace remained with me through the stay in London, through the operation. I remember one of the other mums on the ward asking me how I was so peaceful. And I was able to tell her. And I tell this story for two reasons. Firstly, Daniel was able to pray in the face of death because he trusted his God, because he knew his God, because he had experienced his God through prayer. My walk and your Christian walk will provide you and me with the same opportunities if we choose to take them. This experience for me was a key one in my Christian walk, and I've been able to face difficult situations, insignificant ones and life-changing ones, because I have learned through experience that God answers prayer, that he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to the rescue, and nobody will ever tell me otherwise. I knew that when in difficult situations, I was to put it in the hands of my God who loves me and promises never to leave me nor forsake me. I can trust my God. Secondly, and this might be a word for someone, another of the things it taught me came through the same experience but from a different perspective. Weeks later, I was with a friend of mine from church who also had a similar age baby and she actually got very upset and she told me she was upset because she kept imagining that she was going to have to go through this experience and she felt that she wouldn't be able to do what I had done and the fear was causing her great anxiety. But like Darius in our story, who wasn't himself in the lion's den, he was simply watching with no control from the sidelines she wasn't actually going through my experience. She was watching from the sidelines. The peace I received was because I was in a very real situation and God was with me in it. My friend was simply imagining the situation and you can't concoct the peace of God in imaginary situations. God gives us the grace to deal with the situation we're in. So don't worry about what might or might not happen. Don't worry about how you respond. And please do not allow yourself to believe that God will not be there for you in it. He will. And as we'll see in a, in a moment, his very nature is that he rescues. Spend time getting to know God. Trust him. And then at the right time, you will know his faithfulness. He gives us grace for the time when we need it. My friend couldn't get the peace I had because she wasn't going through what I was. So when in difficult situations, be like Daniel. Trust God that he will be with you. 
and we're not in the lion's den. Don't rely on your own resources like Darius to face imaginary lion's den situations. Worrying only leads to stress. And then just to say, after our spell in hospital, Sarah went from strength to strength, and she's even a nurse herself today, working her socks off, as other nurses and other, our other medical staff are. Anyway, back to our story. And now I'm on verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. The lions didn't leave Daniel alone simply because they weren't hungry. Or as my husband likes to joke, because they had no teeth. Because the accusers and their families didn't even hit the ground before the lions were upon them. I think the reason that this unpleasant part of the story is told is to emphasize the fact that God had his hand upon Daniel to rescue him. A rescue that can't be explained away by anything other than it was God. And let's just look at the impact of this rescue. Darius is so astounded by the rescue of Daniel from the lion's den, he is humbled. This man, this king, so puffed up with pride just a few sentences ago, finds his heart stirred. And you can see that God's spirit is working on his heart and his eyes are open to the truth and the nature and the majesty of God. And unlike the previous king in chapter 5, who, who himself saw the miraculous hand of God, Darius chooses to humble himself. And here, with the first half of the book of Daniel coming to a close, the finale of the historical story of Daniel, we see our God revealed, not just to Daniel, not even just to Darius, but according to verse 25, to the whole kingdom, to all nations and peoples of every language in the earth. Darius has witnessed a miracle, and now he's extolling the living God. He's calling for people everywhere to worship the God of Daniel. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And then he proclaims the revelation of God he has, the eternal, universal truth known by all believers, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, a God who rescues and a God who saves. The truth of who God is was revealed to the people of a foreign land. God has used the exiles, Daniel here, to reveal the truth about himself. 
to give the people of that world and time the opportunity to know him. And doesn't this story speak to us today? We find ourselves in a strange land, in strange places, places where the comforts and securities of the past have gone. COVID land is for us a strange land. And I know that some, in fact many, have found themselves not only in that strange land, but also in a lion's den where rescue looks impossible. But be reassured, he is a God who rescues and a God who saves. Let that truth give you confidence to live for him today. The same God who rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, rescued Joseph from prison, the family of Jacob from starvation, Moses and the people of Israel from slavery, Joshua from the enemy tribes in the promised land, Ruth and Naomi from starvation, David from his enemies. I could go on and on, rescues us. Our God, who is the same yesterday, today and forever, rescues us. Darius's proclamation, he is the living God who endures forever, whose kingdom will not be destroyed, whose dominion will never end, who rescues and saves, who performs signs and wonders in the earth, in the heavens and on the earth, surely points straight towards Jesus. Jesus, whose very name means to deliver, to rescue Jesus, whose kingdom and dominion never ends. Jesus, who arrives on the public scene with the announcement that not only has he come to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to proclaim good news to the poor, but even more to turn ashes into beauty. He comes to rescue because his very being is rescuer. God, who so loves the world, sends his son to rescue us, comes to show us God's kingdom way, and then go after those who can't succeed and give them and us a way through. He rescues the adulterous woman. He rescues the Samaritan woman, the prostitute, the tax collector, the outcast, the blind, the leper. Friend of sinners comes to rescue a fallen world. Jesus showing his love for us by dying in our place to take the eternal punishment that should have been ours, showing his power through resurrection from the dead, rescues us. Jesus, trust him when you're in that difficult place. Trust him like Daniel trusted him, regardless of the seeming cost. And so we arrive at the end of Daniel's story. An old man whose life testified throughout to God's faithfulness and God's power to rescue. Daniel did not return to his homeland. He remained a foreigner, living his God-given purpose in a strange land. Seeking the peace and prosperity of the city he found himself in. And that's our calling too. Throughout this series, we've likened this story to our own situations. And we too are presently in that strange land. And in the same way that Daniel did not look back, but made his home in Babylon, we should not be looking back.
although we're just coming out of lockdown, we are not waiting until the time when everything is back to normal. Daniel's life was not on hold in exile. And knowing God as our rescuer, our, our life isn't on hold either. We too are called to be rescuers in Jesus' name. We are the body of Christ and Christ rescues. We are to be the people of God, blessing the land we find ourselves in now. Blessing the nation in this strange place, looking to see what God is doing now and how we can work with him here. Let's pray. Let's act. Let's bless. Let's seek the peace and prosperity of the land to which the Lord has carried us. Let's choose to trust the mighty living God who rescues and saves. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Um, one line really hit me. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.